my dad was always one that preached rest and recovery. You know, it's just as important to rest than it is to work hard. You can't always push yourself to the maximum and expect to continue to succeed. You know, you need that time to really recharge. And I think that, you know, this time in the pandemic has really given people that time to really recharge and recover. And, you know, you kind of are able to have a different perspective on life. And as athletes, you know, we have that perspective because we are, our whole lives are revolved around how do we perform our best. Um, and recovery is one of the most important parts of that. Hello, everyone. I'm Arianna Huffington, and welcome to What I've Learned. On this episode, Lindsay Vaughn on the mind body connection. Lindsay is actually the first retiree we've had on the show, and she's 36, one of our youngest guests. In 2019, not long before the pandemic, she retired at the ripe young age of 34. She certainly had a lot to look back on with pride. Olympic gold and bronze medals, four World Cup titles, and her status as the greatest female ski racer ever. But what do you do when you retire at 34 and then a pandemic hits? As we'll find out, the lessons she's learned about recovery and mental strength are just as important off the slopes. Her memoir, Rise, My Story, will be published this fall. She's still performing at a high level, just not in a way that requires her to wear a helmet. So, Lindsay, it's so great to be with you. Thanks for having me. What's the biggest lesson you've learned during the pandemic? Uh, the biggest lesson, I mean, I've definitely learned a lot of lessons. I think the biggest one being just to prioritize things that are important in your life. You know, I think we get so busy that we get distracted and uh, our priorities aren't really in line with what they should be. And I think with a pandemic, it made me slow down a bit and realize what's really important. You've also said that the pandemic made you realize that you had taken your ability to work out for granted. And we've all, in a way, been forced to recognize that we've been taking it for granted. So what else did the pandemic make you realize you've been taking for granted? Friends, really quality friends and family. Not being able to see my family and not being able to see friends. You know, you realize who you really want to talk to, who you really want to be around, like who's really important in your life. Just kind of slowing things down. I work a lot and I love working, but I think it's also important to really stay at home and spend time with people that you love and care about. And it's more about the simple things than it is about all the extra exterior things. So, Lindsay, you know, at Thrive, we use athletes as role models, even for hundreds of millions of people who have no chance ever of being real athletes. But the reason we do that is because the way recovery is part of peak performance, the way taking care of yourself, your well-being is really part of the journey to be a peak performer, has a lot of parallels in real life. And we are coming out of a culture that thinks the way to succeed is to power through. And you athletes know otherwise. So how did you discover that? I discovered it mainly through trial and error. And my dad was always one that preached rest and recovery. You know, it's just as important to rest than it is to work hard. 
you can't always push yourself to the maximum and expect to continue to succeed. You know, you need that time to really recharge. And I think this time in the pandemic has really given people that time to really recharge and recover and not be running around all the time and driving to work every day. You kind of are able to have a different perspective on life. And as athletes, as you said, we have that perspective because our whole lives are revolved around how do we perform our best. And recovery is one of the most important parts of that. And also, there's been a lot of conversation around mental health, especially during the pandemic when depression and anxiety have been skyrocketing. You have talked about how your physical well-being supports your mental well-being. How does that work? After I retired, I kind of took a little break from the gym I was burnt out on working out. Honestly, I've been working out my whole life and I just wanted a break. But I realized that I get so much more mental stability and happiness from working out than I ever thought. And so as I got back into the gym and, you know, especially during the pandemic, was able to really focus on it, I was so much happier. And if I could start my day in the gym or even just biking at home, I always felt a million times better and it really made me a lot happier. I'm happy that I realized that and I'm able to use it to my advantage now. I love that you actually had your own proof of that the hard way by going away from it and then coming back to it. Lindsay, I can't tell you how funny and odd it sounds to have you say, when I retired. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, I should say the next chapter, but yeah, I I shouldn't be retired at 36. I'm definitely not. I'm still working hard. Just I'm not skiing anymore. So I agree. It's it's really weird to say retired. I probably should change that vocabulary. But you actually retired uh, shortly before the pandemic began. So did the pandemic make it harder, easier? What was it like? I think I made it easier. I think it was a good choice to retire when I did. I think all of the athletes are really having a hard time right now. Their routines are totally different. You know, they're not able to train the way they normally do. They're not able to travel the way they do. A lot of the competitions have been canceled. When you're an athlete, you know, you have a very limited time to be able to succeed in your sport. And the pandemic has really thrown a lot of people for a loop. Time is the most important thing because you you can't get it back. And I think everyone's just struggling with it right now. So I'm happy that I retired when I did. I think it was a good choice. I mean, obviously I had to because my body was falling apart, but it made it easier to accept uh, retirement for sure. So you say your body was falling apart. How is your body now? I feel like I found a really good balance now that I'm in the gym and training differently. I think my body feels better than I did before. I still have a hard time, you know, just walking my dogs, my knees hurt, I'm bone on bone. So it's it's definitely a constant thing that I deal with every day. But I found that balance where I'm strong enough to support my knee and, and it feels good, as good as it's going to get at this point. Uh, until you have a knee replacement? A knee replacement. <laughs> you yes. thought of doing that? I've definitely thought of doing it. My dad had one actually, and I think... I think in the next five years, I'll probably get it. If I can't be active anymore, then it's definitely time to do it if the pain becomes too much to bear. But right now I'm still managing it okay. So fingers crossed I can hang on for a little bit longer. 
But Lindsay, when you think of all the aspiring athletes and actual athletes who admire you and listening to you now, is there another way to do it? Is there another way to be awesome at what you're doing and be at the top of your field and not sacrifice so much of your body and your health? I think in ski racing, no. There's not really a lot you can do. I mean, it's inherently a very dangerous sport. With the way sports science has evolved in the last five or 10 years, I think athletes are able to recover faster. There's a lot that's come along that's helped athletes. But I mean, there's no way around the risk. You know, ski racing is just, it's a tough one. But I think for other sports, there's definitely improvements that can limit the impact that it has on their bodies. It's just hard to hear you talk in your 30s that it hurts to walk your dogs. And I know, yeah. I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know how much your dogs mean to you. Bear, Leo, and Lucy, right? Yeah, exactly. So do you ever feel, was all this worth it? You know, here I am at 36 in pain walking my dogs. Was that the right way to do it? Yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, I love ski racing. It made me happy every day. Every time I stood in the starting gate, I loved every second of it. All of the injuries taught me a lot about myself and made me a tougher person. It just made me who I am. So I wouldn't change anything. If one day my kids wants to ski race, I would say, go for it. You know, everyone has their thing and, you know, you can't tell someone what makes them happy or not. And ski racing always made me happy. So I'm very thankful for it. I think it was a good move. Lindsay, I'm loving this conversation. We'll hear more of the lessons this challenging year has taught you in just a moment. Sleep is the foundation of every aspect of our physical and our mental well-being. That's always true. But in extraordinary times of anxiety and stress, getting the sleep we need is more important than ever. Sleep is essential to both a strong immune system and to our mental resilience, the very things we need to navigate these uncertain times. That's why we've partnered with Audible, the sponsor of this podcast, to create the Audible Sleep Collection. It's available for free for members and includes bedtime stories, meditations, and extended soundscapes from Nick Jonas, Sean, Didi, Combs, Kiki Palmer, and more to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up fully recharged and ready to take on whatever challenges the day brings you. And stay tuned for a preview of one of my favorite Audible sleep experiences at the end of this podcast. So, Lindsay, I can't wait to read your book, Rise, coming out in the fall. I'm sure there are going to be so many lessons there, not just for athletes, but for all of us. But if you were giving your younger self one of the lessons that are going to be in your book, what would you choose? I probably wouldn't give myself any advice in skiing in my career because I think everything happens for a reason. And like I said, you learn things from your mistakes. I think mistakes are actually really a critical part of life. And maybe I wish that I would have learned certain things in relationships, but otherwise I wouldn't change things. That's just part of life. You, you can't predict what's going to happen and you go through life making mistakes and you have to learn from them. In fact, you mentioned relationships and you and I have both been divorced 
And you've said once that one of your best seasons in 2012 to 2013 was right after your divorce because you had to rely on yourself and find your own mental toughness. How did that work? I just felt really empowered. That was the first time after I was divorced that I really felt like I was doing things 100% on my own. And that made me feel really strong. It reinvigorated my motivation in ski racing and I felt good about myself. It doesn't always work that way, but for me, I was able to channel all of my emotions into ski racing and it worked out well. It definitely worked out well, but it's also a great lesson for anyone going through tough times, how we can find empowerment in another part of our life while we are going through the pain of a breakup or whatever it is in our personal lives. Obviously, everyone has their struggles. Everyone has different parts of their life that are painful and difficult to get through. But when you get on the other side of it, you find so much more happiness and joy. If you embrace that, you can learn a lot and find yourself. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you said about mistakes being part of anybody's life. My favorite quote that I have right here on my desk is from Rumi, the Persian poet who said, live life as though everything is rigged in your favor. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a great one. And and I loved the way you talked about how your physical strength fed and feeds your mental strength, but does it also work the other way around? Does it work in the way of your meditation or mindfulness or time you take to strengthen yourself mentally, improving your game? Yeah, absolutely. Taking that time for myself mentally after my skiing career has helped a lot more than in my skiing career. I think I used ski racing as a form of meditation. Ski racing was kind of like my mental and emotional crutch. But, you know, after skiing, it's been different. And I I definitely have had to spend more time being mindful. And, you know, I write down what I'm grateful for every day and, you know, what I could have done better. And those kinds of things I think are really important because even though my physical workouts help me mentally, I still need to work on just being mindful every day. Life is a series of lessons. So, you know, you learn and just continue to learn and continue to work on yourself. And you're very clear about that. I love what you said, that strength is more than just muscle. It's about your attitude, your drive, your mindset. It's really about like how do we tap into that resilience, that inner strength, especially when times are tough as they have been for millions of people right now. What do you find is the, your go-to technique when times feel particularly tough? I kind of use certain things to reset myself, whether it's walking the dogs or uh, sitting down, having some Ben and Jerry's and watching Law and Order. Like those are the kinds of things that, you know, are really simple. But when I feel like I'm a little bit lost or, you know, I'm having a bad day, no matter what's happening in my life, I can kind of go to those things and that helps. And also you've set some real boundaries with social media that for me is such a great lesson for everyone, especially young women 
who become obsessed with their body images and then completely fall apart when they are critiqued on social media. So how did you get to that very mature decision, A, not to have plastic surgery, love that, and not to Photoshop your photos and to just basically not allow yourself to be driven by anonymous commenters <laughs> on social media? I mean, honestly, it's it's really, really hard and it's taken me a long time to get here. When I won the Olympics in 2010, it was kind of when Facebook was exploding and started to do red carpets and events and things like that and just was constantly comparing my body type to everyone else. Uh, at events with actresses that are half my size. And I was like, I don't fit in here. What's wrong with me? And it definitely took me a long time to get to the point where I can say there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I am the way I am. I love the way I am. I like sharing my life on social media because I, I really feel like I have a connection to my fans, but I don't take what they say seriously. It's just living my life. I'm, I'm happy with who I am. And I, it, it saddens me how teens and just people in general try to be someone that they're not on social. And I just embrace it and use it to share my life and share who I am. Um, last question before we go to our rapid fire questions. What would you say is the most important thing, whether it's a lesson, an idea, a new routine from the pandemic that you are determined to take with you in our post-pandemic lives? I think just make sure you're taking time for yourself. Don't get caught up in how busy the world is. We don't need a pandemic to do that. You just have to make it a priority in your life. And I think that will give people a lot of long-term happiness. I love that. At Thrive, we say put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. And then actually you can help others from your overflow rather than when you're depleted. So here are some of my favorite rapid fire questions, Lindsay. First of all, describe your intimate relationship to your phone in one sentence. Oh, it's a very intimate relationship and I wish I could detach myself <laughs> a little bit more from it. <laughs> but my phone is my way of being connected to people and it's a love-hate relationship. Definitely love-hate. <laughs> so do you sleep with your phone? Next to my bed, not in my bed. We have boundaries. The, the phone stays. So, Lindsay, I'm going to send you a little phone bed that's a charging station with a little blankie. You put it outside your bedroom and you pack your phone in at night and you reconnect in the morning. Do you want mahogany or light wood? Ooh, light wood, definitely. Yes, that sounds great. Okay, it's going to be sent your way. Thank you. And what's on your nightstand? Candles, lots of candles, hand lotion, chapstick, water. That's pretty much it. And maybe you'll get an alarm clock so you don't need your phone to wake you up. I will definitely up. need an alarm <laughs> yes. clock, yes. What's the best gift you've ever gotten? For my birthday, my sisters gave me a big book and it had little cards inside. And each card was a picture and a little positive quote or something that reminded them of something that we've done together. So it was a book that I could go to anytime I was feeling down about myself and pull out a card 
and read it and have a picture of my family. And it was one of the sweetest things anyone's ever done for me. I love that. That's such a great idea. I I have to adopt it for my daughters. (laughs) Yes. What do you do when you can't sleep? I mean, there's certain things that you can do to help yourself sleep. When you're in bed and you can't sleep, then it's kind of game (laughs) over. You can't really do anything about it. But I mean, it's really helpful, obviously, as you said, not to be on your phone. Make sure your phone is tucked into its little bed in a different room. Not watch TV in bed. Also watching the sunset. Watching the sunset actually helps your equilibrium kind of adapt and know that it's time for bed. Also, if you don't sleep in bed with your dogs and they jump on you all the time, that's also another helpful tip. I agree. It's hard, but definitely helps your sleep. (laughs) So final question. Name three things you're grateful for. My family, my friends, and my dogs. Lindsay, I would include doing this conversation with you. I loved it. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for having me. Before we wrap up today, I'd like to leave you with a micro step inspired by Lindsay's point about how important working out is for her mental health, as it is for so many of us, including myself. And the micro step is to schedule time with a workout buddy. Research shows that we are much more likely to commit to exercise when we do it with someone else. And if you can't do it in person with each other, then do it virtually you'll still get the benefits of both exercise and social connection, vital for our mental health. Thank you so much for being with us today. Join us next time on What I've Learned. A warning, this next clip might put you to sleep. And that's the point. It's part of Thrive's collaboration with Audible to create exclusive audio experiences to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up with the right morning mindset. The Audible Sleep Collection includes meditations from people like Sean Didi Combs, Gabby Bernstein, and Nick Jonas, who we are about to hear from. The stories have no beginning, middle, or end, so you won't stay up to hear what happens next. Here is a bedtime story called The Perfect Swing. Nick turns to one of his favorite subjects, baseball, bringing in Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio. What's the perfect swing? There is a good chance you'll be asleep before you find out. The Perfect Swing by James McGurk and read by me, Nick Jonas. Settle in, take a deep breath, and listen to me take you on a journey about the perfect baseball swing. How do you quantify the perfect swing? There's no better time or place to begin than New York City in 1941. At that moment, Joe DiMaggio was an American hero. Nicknamed the Yankee Clipper in 1939, he was the son of Italian immigrants and a superb all-around player with a squeaky clean good guy image. That season, he would go on to get a hit in 56 consecutive games. If you're not asleep yet and want to hear this sleep track in its entirety, go to audible.com slash thrive to start your free trial tonight.